Well, come on in. It is a military Monday edition of the EP podcast. Happy June, everybody. Uh, or at least we've made it to June, I should say. So far, hasn't been uh, a happy, uh, a lot of happy in the year 2020. And so saying happy uh, morning or, or happy uh, June or whatever seems a little weird because they're, if we're honest and frank with one another, it's been a rough, rough go in the year 2020. Uh, you know, with with fires in Australia and uh, problems here on, in America, uh, from ranging from the the pandemic to uh, economic, and now we've got uh, civil rights and, and racial divide happening in, in in protests and riots, and it is it's not been the best year. Hopefully, hopefully we turn this into the most progressive year, and that's my my plea. And my uh, opening statement this morning is I just, when bad things happen or when things don't go according to plan or when things uh, pop up negatively in our lives, on our paths, we have to understand that these things have happened. There's no going back and undoing them, that you can't reverse time and try again and be better uh, on something that's already happened. But what you can do is make sure that everything you personally, individually do in reaction to it makes the world better for it having happened. Meaning, make it worth it. Don't just let bad things happen and then hurt us several times over by, making, by, by not making any progress, uh, bouncing off of those bad things. So when bad stuff comes your way in, in your own life or in the life, uh, lives of everyone around us, uh, then we need to make sure that we learn from it so that we progress away from it and don't have it happen to us again. You've heard the old adage, uh, the history uh, repeats itself, and that, that's because people don't learn. Uh, that's the danger in it. You have to learn from experiences, good and bad. Otherwise, why have the experience in the first place? Now, we did not choose in a lot of ways to have the pandemic happen in the way it did as individuals. Perhaps if we wanted to have a conversation on a different podcast or in a different forum about our leaders in this country and whether or not they could have or should have done something different, that's a different discussion. But as an individual, I don't believe that there's anything more that we could have done to uh, protect against the pandemic reaching our shores and coming into our homes and our communities. Uh, and, and since we didn't choose that, we, we can't say, well, you get what you deserve or whatever. You, you can't say, well, yeah, it's bad, but you chose it. No, we didn't choose it, but we can choose how we react to it, how we better ourselves, how we uh, improve our, our fortifications or our immune systems or our overall health or how we uh, improve our servi- servitude of our fellow man. Uh, uh, from the the situation so that we learn from it and become a better human race even in the the eyes of a trial like the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic and the same thing goes for uh, the the situation surrounding uh, racial injustice and uh, specifically right now George Floyd's death uh, that's on the tip of everyone's tongues and minds uh, but it's not just George Floyd, understand that. There's a lot of people out there looking at uh, the rioting and the protests, peaceful and otherwise, and, and 
uh, assigning it only to George Floyd. George Floyd's death was a vehicle, uh, an accelerant uh, to the fire of injustice that has been burning for decades and centuries in this country and around the world. Uh, and uh, it flies in the very face of our constitutional rights as a human being that we're all created equal by a divine power, and we all have the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, regardless of race, religion, creed, color of skin. It doesn't matter. That And that that's, this is not George Floyd is not the only uh, instant, instance, obviously. Uh, this is George Floyd's name is being held up as a beacon, as a uh, rallying cry to uh, get this thing on the right track. And like I said, it's, it's his, the incident of his death, and actually, you know, I should, I should call what it is, his murder at the hands of people who are supposed to be serving and then protecting, never murdering, his murder is being used as an accelerant for this cause. Uh, and, and so I just, I, when we go through these things, it's important to make sure we go through them correctly so that we learn from them, we improve off of them, and we uh, get better and we progress from them so that they, while we would choose not for it to ever happen in the first place, and, and we don't want it to, we want to make sure it will never happen again. Uh, all right, we, we start each and every day on the podcast, typically, if unless I have a little statement like that uh, to, to tell you about. Uh, we start with uh, this day in sports history. And June has always been a big, big month for sports. You've, you typically have the NHL and, and NBA wrapping things up. You, you ha- certainly have baseball hitting the, the summer run of its season. Uh, and there's a few of those uh, things, but the, the big one that I want to talk about today was June 1st, 1988, Electronic Arts, EA, released the first version of John Madden Football for the Apple II computer. Obviously, it has since evolved into Madden NFL and is the most popular football video game of all time. I cannot calculate accurately how many hours I have spent in my life playing uh, Madden football, uh, starting uh, back on the Super Nintendo, moving up to N64, uh, over to uh, the the Playstations and the Xboxes. I can't calculate uh, how many times, how many hours I spent playing in my life playing Madden football. I really, really have enjoyed that game. And a lot of people in the sports gaming community dislike the game because it has weird glitches and, and, and... Things that can occur from time to time that uh, bother them and they think it uh, destroys the game or or, uh, makes it a mockery. I disagree because I see it as a video game and I find all those things really funny and entertaining when they happen. Uh, But anyway, that's just me. Also, June 1st, 2012, and I remember this one like it were yesterday. New York Nets pitcher, or excuse me, New York Mets pitcher Johan Santana threw a no-hitter in an 8-0 victory over the St. Louis Cardinals at City Field. It was the first no-hitter in New York Mets history. That is incredible. That There had never been the long history of the New York Mets. They'd never had a no-hitter until June 1st, 2012. 
And June 1st, 2006, Dirk Nowitzki scored 50 points and snagged 12 rebounds as the Dallas Mavericks beat the Phoenix Suns 117-101 at the American Airlines Center to take a 3-2 lead in the Western Conference Finals. The Mavs won the series in six games. There's a few things uh, that took place on June 1st uh, from uh, the, the history of sports. June 1st, uh, this day in sports history. All right, let's go ahead and get started today. Uh, we are going to start in on, uh, this is mostly a sports podcast, but today we are going to uh, focus a lot on the protests and rioting that has taken place over the last uh, few days since we spoke on Friday uh, regarding uh, racial injustice in our country. And I first want to uh, uh, address uh, my, my personal feelings on the matter and then I want to share a few, I think, bright spots and bright moments that took place uh, over the weekend that I think can help us as I started the show talking about progress forward uh, on the back of this cause. Now, uh, I do not, I, I, I don't see really any reason why anyone should give my words any uh, value uh, or, or, or any validity or any credit or, or and I'm not, I don't say these things because I think that I have any answers or I think that I should be looked to for someone to give you an answer. I simply have feelings and emotions like I know all of us do. Uh, and I find uh, this uh, a good platform for me to share those emotions and feelings at times. And so as I share these words, please don't, don't think I am trying to speak over anybody or to speak up and, and attach my, uh, my uh, self to the, the problems. No, uh, I, am, I, I was born white. I was born into uh, privilege. My parents never have had a ton of money but I've also never gone wanting for anything in my entire life. I've never needed a meal that wasn't there for me. I've never needed clothing that I couldn't have, shelter, love, uh, good health care. I've never needed anything in my life that I did not receive. And it is not lost on me that I've also at times, when I've had to uh, call out on uh, for help, uh, with with law enforcement, it is not lost on me when I've been pulled over for speeding or whatever. It is not lost on me that as a white person, I have never once wondered if this is it. Wondered if I'm going to survive that encounter. That's never been my experience. And I am certain it never will be. I have had occasion and experience to where I where I have seen, uh, you know, over overly, uh, I guess you could use power tripping uh, as a term, uh, police officers in in a in a moment of authority or a moment of power overstep their bounds as a human. In my opinion, uh, I think that there's a god complex that comes with the the badge at times, but I am uh, also a strong uh, supporter of law enforcement and our police officers and uh, first responders from uh, paramedics and fire crews, police officers, National Guard, military, obviously this being a military Monday, we'll get to a story coming up later from a a listener who sent in a story about his relative. Uh, But uh, while I understand I have uh, led, led and lived a privileged life, I am sick and tired of that being true. 
I am sick and tired of it being an absolute fact, and it is, that white people in this country have it so much better than any other race in this country. In particular, black people, African Americans. They have a different experience than white people. And it's time, it's, it's far beyond time, for that to be the case. Regardless of your race, your religion, your sexuality, whatever uh, other uh, moniker you want to attach to this, regardless of any of that, the only thing anybody should ever be asked to pay back to society for is their own actions. And when your actions break the laws set forth in this country, then you should get punishment for that. But that punishment should match the crime. The problem that, has, the, 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 that is existent here is George Floyd may or may not have committed a crime. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I don't care, really, because that is not my place to judge and make the call on. It is law enforcement's job to receive a call from a shop owner or from a, a member of society that says, this person, I believe, has committed this crime. I need your help. Law enforcement's job is to then react appropriately, to go in, sort out the situation, and it's not lost to me again, as I said last week, that they have to assume danger at all times because that's just the, the nature of the job. That is why they are armed, is to protect themselves as well as everyone else. But it's also their job to protect the criminal or assumed criminal just or accused criminal just as much as it is their job to protect the people making the accusation and themselves. There should not be any uh, uh, delineation between that part of their serve and protect. And George Floyd, whether he did or did not commit a crime, the police arrived, they sorted out some si- situ- the situation, and between some time of him being stopped in his car and killed, murdered, they had him subdued. They had him restrained. They had him in handcuffs on the ground in custody. There is no need to further anything against that man. Nothing. You have him restrained. If he is innocent or guilty, will be decided at a later date and time. If you do your job correctly and protect him. But they didn't. They murdered him. And that is why I am absolutely 100% behind the protests and the outcry and the uh, want for change, real change, permanent change, needed change. And it's sickening that we need change. It's time to be done with racism and prejudice and bias and, and just outright hate. I, In my opinion, we saw a really bad example of police work this weekend in the Salt Lake City uh, rioting and protests, and we saw some excellent police work. The moment that was really bad was when the, uh, uh, I believe he was a, a white man, jumps out of his vehicle with a bow and arrow and, and shoots that bow and arrow at another person 
is then apprehended by police and later released without any charges. Now, where I will give a little leeway is the police are focused solely, mostly, on keeping the crowd ruly. And, and by that, I mean an unruly crowd. They wanted to be ruly. I don't even know if that's proper English, but I think you know what I'm saying there. And so they're not uh, focused. They're not paying too much attention on the situation with the bow and arrow. It's a lot of hearsay. It's a lot of he said, she said, they said, we said. And the police released him wrongly. But I can maybe understand why that would happen. My problem, though, is it absolutely is a big-time question in my mind, in a lot of your minds, it's not a question at all. But if that person had been of a different race, if that person had been a black man instead of a white man, would he have been released moments after being apprehended? And I don't, I don't uh, begrudge anybody who believes that, no, he would not have been released. Because it's that, those are the examples that we've seen set and precedent that's been set. Now, Salt Lake City Police later came out and said they have the man's information, and after reviewing video uh, that they had not the opportunity to see in that moment of, uh, in that exact moment, they will be screening charges against him, meaning they're going to look into whether or not he'll be charged. If he's not charged, then there needs to be more protests. Now, going back to what I said a moment ago, when you break a law in this country, you have to pay for it. Punishment needs to match the crime. And there are certain punishments that are attached to certain crimes in this country that I think are incredibly egregious punishments for the crime that has been committed. But I'm not a lawmaker, and that's why I exercise my right as American to vote. And that's why a lot of attention gets put on the presidential election or or congressional elections, and rightfully so. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they don't matter. But I have, I'm afraid that Supreme Court justices and, and uh, other judge elections, especially, importantly, on a local level, just get checked. Just get a check mark. Don't get researched. Don't get looked into. If you need change, it starts locally, folks. It has to. And so look at the history of... How, how judges and district attorneys carry themselves according to the law. And if you agree with it, vote them in. If you don't agree with it, vote them out. Now, again, if you commit a crime, regardless of if you agree with the punishment attached to that crime or not, the laws state you owe a debt to society for the crime you committed. And there have been a lot of crimes committed in these protests. And when that happens, it is no longer a protest, it's a riot. It's, and we saw a great peaceful protest in Ogden, and we saw an attempt for a peaceful protest in Salt Lake City. And then outsiders, or Antifa, or ne'er-do-wells, or instigators, antagonists, whatever word you want to use, there was clear evidence of a, a wish for it to be a peaceful protest, and it turned into a riot quickly because of a few bad apples who committed crimes. And they will have to pay for their, for their crimes. They'll have to pay that debt back to society. But I also understand the absolute rage that, that would be in their hearts. If there is somebody 
who and I, and I know and I, I used the word Antifa and things like that a moment ago. I think there is evidence that there were people who were down there just to incite riot behavior. I think there were people that wanted to protest who then let that rage take over their bodies and did some things that they shouldn't probably have done. But I understand why that would happen. I do. Does not mean that they don't need to pay pay for those actions and those crimes, but I understand why they might commit those crimes. All right, I'm getting way off in the weeds here. I, I just my heart hurts. I'm saddened. I, I I'm depressed, and I am angry uh, at the entire situation. And it all it's all because four police officers decided that they were God and, and could choose who lives and who dies in a moment when a man was already apprehended. They murdered him in cold blood in the public eye and so far have gotten away with it. I understand that Officer Chauvin, or however you, however you say his stupid name, I understand he's been apprehended. I understand he's in custody and he's been charged with third-degree murder. What you saw take place was nothing less than first-degree aggravated murder. And yes, I believe his, your body can be a weapon, and therefore it should be, should be aggravated. Anywho, uh, that, that is, uh, I'm kind of yelling into the wind here, and so I, I need to uh, back off, and we've gone 20 minutes now. But I wanted to play some good things that I saw take place over the weekend in this country amongst these uh, protests and, and riots even. And the first I wanted to play was Omar Jimenez of CNN is an incredible journalist, an absolute incredible journalist. We saw him uh, get arrested uh, while for just doing his job during a protest uh, uh, over the weekend. And over the weekend, we saw him have a, a live on camera via Zoom or via uh, internet connection, an interview with Felonis Floyd, George Floyd's brother and his attorney. And while they were having that interview, uh, and I apologize, I don't know this reporter's name, but they were at the live uh, press junket with the Minneapolis police chief. And they were able to ask him, relay a question from Felonis Floyd to the police chief. And I wanted to play a little bit of that uh, interaction because I thought it was incredible, an incredible moment and I thought it was important for everyone to know. Here, here is how the freedom of the press is supposed to work and be allowed to do its job. Polonis, do you have a question for the chief? Oh, and I, I, the question that I have, uh, I want to know if he's going to get justice for my brother and arrest all the officers and convict them. Can you hear him, Sarah? Okay, he. I just want to make sure I've got this right. He arrest, wants to know if he justice is going for to his get brother, arrest and convict and arrest all the officers. The other officers, all the officers. I will ask him that question. Just give me one second. Yes, ma'am. Chief, may I ask you? I'm so sorry, and I, I apologize. I'm so sorry. I, I, I know. I'm so sorry, but the Floyd family, the Floyd family, actually has a question for you. They just talked to me in my ear. I, I, I'm sorry. The Floyd family is asking me a question. I, I apologize. I'm sorry. The Floyd family has asked if you are going to get justice for George Floyd by making sure that the other officers are arrested and that eventually convicted. They they want 
don't, and I know that there are things that you cannot control, but they want to know if the other officers should be arrested in your mind and if you see that they should all four be convicted in this case. And this is the Floyd family right now? This is the Floyd family. To, to the Floyd family, um, being silent or not intervening, to me, you're complicit. So I don't see a level of distinction any different. Um, so uh, obviously it, the charging and those decisions will have to come through our county attorney's office. Certainly the FBI is investigating that. But to the Floyd family, I want you to know that my decision to fire all four officers was not based on some sort of hierarchy. Mr. Floyd died in our hands. And so I, I, I see that as being complicit. So that, that is about as much as I, and I apologize to the Floyd family if I uh, am not more clear, but um, uh, I don't see a difference in, in terms of uh, the ultimate outcome is he is not here with us. And you that's don't the see tragedy. a difference between what Officer Chauvin did and the three other officers, who some of who kneeled down as well, but some of whom just watched. You see that all as the same act. Silence and inaction, you're complicit. You're complicit. If there were one solitary voice that would have intervened and act, that that's what I would have hoped for. Uh, unfortunately, that's what you had expected from your officers, yes? Absolutely, and that did not occur. So to the Floyd family, I, I hope that that's my that's my response. Yeah. And, and Thank Filonis, you so much. Do you have Chief, another question? What's, what's your response? What's your response to Filonis? Uh They arrest guys every day. They had enough evidence to fire them, so they have enough evidence to arrest them. I don't know who he's talking to, but I need him to do it because we all are listening. Black Lives Matter. Incredibly powerful moment there uh, from, uh, and kudos to CNN. They are not fake news. They probably have a bad at few apples, uh, just like every organization, every uh, entity in this world. But anyway, uh, really, really great journalism there. Madario Arredondo, Chief Madario Arredondo in Minneapolis, responding to Felonis Floyd's uh, question about whether or not the other three uh, officers are going to face criminal charges. And if they don't, then we are continuing to fail as a system. I don't know what those charges would entail. I don't know who did exactly what is what I, is what I mean by that. We saw uh, the officer, I believe his, his name is Tao, just standing by and, and controlling a crowd while the, the, the actions were taking place behind him. I'm not, I'm not sure that he deserves a murder charge, but maybe he does. Perhaps he did see all of it happening and thought, nope, that's fine, and let it happen. The other angle you saw of the other officers also on top of George Floyd. You heard the chief there say, well, he's not an attorney uh, for the county and he's not with the FBI. If he were, these four men would be arrested and charged with murder. So uh, there, there you go. I thought that was a great moment uh, of an example of the freedom of the press working for the people to get some answers. Now, another incredible moment that I saw was ESPN anchor Michael Eaves, who uh, began uh, his broadcast uh, on, uh, I believe this was uh, with Jeremy Schapp, uh, talking about, uh, and this is a Sports Center broadcast, talking about uh, how he did not want to go to work 
but why he decided it was important for him to go to work. Not going to lie. Due to the events of the last several days, I almost didn't come to work tonight. Was it because I was worried that I might come in contact with an overbearing police officer or gun-toting wannabe cop patrolling his neighborhood on my commute? Nah, I'm a black man, a couple years short of 50. I've lived nearly half a century with the possibility that I could end up with a gun pointed at me due to racism. I almost didn't come to work tonight because some of the reaction to recent events reminded me that there are several people watching me right now who feel that the color of my skin makes me less worthy of basic human rights and dignity. And the thought of providing those people with news and entertainment literally made me sick to my stomach. But clearly, I did come to work anyway. But I did come to prove something to the racists of the world. I came for the tens of millions of young black boys and girls across this country who need to know that they are loved, their lives do have value, and they are worthy of every opportunity this nation guaranteed its citizens upon its inception, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And as Jeremy Schapp reports, it may be the people we cover on a nightly basis from the sports world that become the most important catalysts in the whole nation finally achieving those American ideals. Great sentiments there from Michael Eaves, and I, I think that he and Jeremy Schapp's reporting is accurate, that I believe that you as a celebrity or uh, an athlete or, uh, or uh, an influencer or uh, especially a politician, uh, an elected official, you have an absolute responsibility to at least recognize, and as a politician, you don't get to just recognize it, you have to enact it, but as a celebrity or an athlete, you have to at least, in the very least, recognize the platform that you have that is elevated, and you've got a louder megaphone than an everyday person. And if you, if you get behind a cause, it has more chance of happening. And I hope and, and pray that we see uh, that continue to take place. And then finally this. During the Salt Lake City protests and riots, Kearns alum, Kenny Akers, uh, and thanks to Jody Genesee for pointing out that this guy is from uh, and went to Kearns High School. Jody, by the way, will be on the big show today at 5 o'clock to talk jazz and Coach Sloan with us. But Kenny Akers trying to stop the looting that had started to take place at a downtown 7-Eleven. Here's what he had to say. This isn't it. Kenny Akers, Kearns graduate right there, helping to stem, uh, stem back the uh, idea of looting that had started to take place at that downtown 7-Eleven. There was a person in the background that uh, had an expletive. I'm pretty sure I got that cut out uh, there with a quick finger on the, on the slider here on the board. If I didn't, I apologize if you heard. I, I think you may have heard the start of the expletive, but I think I cut it out before it, it finished. So I apologize for the half censor there. Hopefully I censored the right part. But nevertheless, these are these are trying times. And you're gonna hear anger and people are gonna say things that you saw it on 
live broadcast on news over the weekend downtown Salt Lake City, which I, I have to commend our j- incredible journalists in this city, in this state, for the incredible work they did to bring us that information over the weekend. But you saw on live TV a lot of expletives that aren't normally on live TV. I think we all need to be a little uh, extra thick-skinned to perhaps some words or verbiage that we're not entirely, you may not be entirely comfortable hearing. This is not the time to be Pollyannish about that. Just kind of let it slide with a, a caveat attached to some degree. But there was some three good things I saw that came out of Saturday, Friday, and Sunday's situations. We can do better and we have to do better. And that's, that's all I'll say for today on that matter. That's right, it is a military Monday, and that means it's time to share with you a, a story from the uh, military side of our history to uphold our heroes that deserve to be upheld and honored. And this comes to me courtesy of listener Dwight, uh, a good big-time supporter of both The Zone, the EP podcast, and uh, of my career. He's done a lot for me, and I appreciate it. But he sent me this story about, I believe it's his grandfather, who uh, fought in World War II, and I wanted to share it with you today. And this is written by Dwight's dad, his grandfather's son, obviously. The fire in his hip felt like repeated lightning bolts going down his leg and out his heel. The pain was excruciating, so much so that he did not feel the other four bullets riddle his body that would cause him to walk with a limp the rest of his life. Nor did his intended killer know the life he would lead. The killer's mission failed, but Ebb did not. On Friday the 13th, a few years ago, an old tenacious soldier quietly slipped away. His life force faded to a new dimension, but his exemplary lifestyle of never giving up will not diminish. Albert Ebb Day fought as a rifle sharpshooter sniper in the European theater in World War II. He received a purple heart with four oak leaf clusters. With his beautiful, steadfast wife of 66 years by his side, he fought life's many battles after the war ended. Battles made difficult because of his 100% disability from his war injuries. Nevertheless, Elbert farmed, trained horses, served in the Bountiful Police Reserve for 25 years, and was a crossing guard for 39 years. He lived a very full life. His only son was tragically killed in the Vietnam War. His life story will survive him and serve as an example for anyone. I know he has many stories to tell, but here is one we share. Circa 1975, Ebb did his duty as the crossing guard at Tolman Elementary in Bountiful, Utah with dignity and compassion. He escorted myself and all seven of my siblings across 400 East Orchard Boulevard during our elementary days. One day in the totally cool 1970s as Dad, also a decorated World War II veteran, was admiring Ebb as he was on the corner, escorting the children with a definite limp and ailing body. Dad thought Mr. Day should be honored for his dedication to the country and the school and the many children he watched over, and within seconds, he said, we ought to give him a flagpole with a plaque. A few weeks later, as the marching band of Umont High played an inspired patriotic number on the field of Tolman Elementary, the school Ebb Day served as the crossing guard from 1950 until he physically could not get out of his own front door. 800-plus people, including the entire student body and faculty, and hundreds of parents and neighbors cheered as the massive military helicopter landed. Then numerous soldiers in bright chromed helmets and matching bayonets shining in the sun stormed out of the helicopter and marched in formation carrying the flag with outstretched white-gloved hands 
that would fly on Ebb Day's flagpole. Some folks cried with tears of joy and celebration. Some were hollering and clapping. Some even stood at attention saluting. It was a touching celebration. Also, it was Ebb Day Day, an official declaration from Bountiful that Dad had proposed at a city council meeting. It was just a simple idea that turned into a full-blown military parade and community event. Bang, 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 with 21 guns firing into the sky, and the kids cheered after each shot. The parents were chuckling at their joy. The street had been blocked at both ends by police cars with lights flashing, and the soldiers then took the flag that was to go on the pole and led the parade. They marched ahead of the band that was playing full volume up the street to Ebb Day's home on the opposite corner of his crosswalk. The presentation of the flagpole and the plaque was inspiring and heartfelt, and when the decorated colonel from Ebb's unit presented him with the flag and saluted him, Ebb Day, dressed in full military gear and a Purple Heart medal sparkling, shed a tear and with a quivering smile saluted him back. He took the flag into his trembling white-gloved hands. There were not a lot of dry eyes, especially mine, and at that moment I was exceptionally proud of my dad. As the flag was raised by a humble and grateful Ebb Day, and the band played the Star-Spangled Banner, that powerful scene will forever live in my heart. Uh, A footnote here included is, My dad's idea caught on, and many who deserve credit also contributed. The police, the military, the city of Bountiful for giving him a day in his honor, the Viewmont High School band, the speakers at the ceremony, the school, and anybody else. It was a great service project, and the community was better for it. It allowed an avenue for many others to be of service to, but but mostly for Ebb Day, who who also lost a son in Vietnam, was thanked and honored and touched by many in a grand way. And Dad honored him while he was young enough to enjoy the tribute for many years to come. Uh, and I think I misspoke introducing uh, that that piece. This was Dwight's dad who produced or uh, proposed and enacted that plan to honor a fellow veteran in Ebb Day. Thank you to Ebb Day and Dwight, your father, and everyone else in our military uh, for serving us, protecting us, making sure that the world is, is as free as it needs to be at all times, all hours, in all places. We salute you and we thank you and we honor you. Thank you so much here on a Military Monday. That's going to do it for a Military Monday edition of the EP Podcast. I had some baseball things I need to talk about. I think they'll be just as relevant on a top 10 Tuesday for you tomorrow. I know this was a heavier episode, but I hope that some of my words resonate with you and hopefully you understand that I don't, I, I'm not looking to be a spokesperson or a mouthpiece for this cause. I just have emotions and feelings like everyone, and I uh, selfishly used the podcast platform today to voice those. But we can and we must do better as a country, and we need to love each other more. Like I said, that's it for an EP podcast today on Monday, June 1st. I'm Austin Horton. I'll see you on a Top 10 Tuesday tomorrow. And until then, as always, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. (laughs) Let's go to church, everybody. Let's do it. I'm into it, man. I go. Ever sat through three hours of anything and thought, that was perfect. That, uh... Wow. That was right on the money. Three hours. They do a focus group on that? Is that what they do? At two hours and 45 minutes, someone's saying, you know, that's just not getting it done. That is, uh, that is not working at all. I need another quarter hour is what I need. Three hours, are you kidding me?
That's why I didn't go see Titanic, because it was too long. Before I go see a movie, I found out how long that thing is before I make my way into that movie. But three hours every Sunday? Come on! Can we go online a little bit? Can we do it online? Come on, man. Gutenberg paved the way. We got this thing going on. We got computers. Let's log on for church, everybody. Let's do a little clicky-clicky there. Wouldn't that be nice if I just get up in the morning and log on? You know, you got the little Skype thing and put a little tie on and... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, concur. Could not agree more. Let's, let's do that. Uh, I can bank online. Why can't I go to church online? I've got a secure browser. Why can't I... Just click yes every while. Likes? Absolutely likes. Abs Do you like it? I could not like it more. Dude. I, uh, if I liked it anymore, you wouldn't believe me.